Welcome to NFT Rebels, the podcast where technology, creativity, education, and non-fungible experiences meet each other. It's me, Annie Alexander, and in each episode, me and the Rebels will have a real unscripted talk, share genuine opinions, and show raw emotions. Should we start? Okay, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the NFT Rebels. Hi, Sam Simmons is with me in the studio. Welcome, Sam. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, how are you? Fine, fine. We were just having a short chat before we went live, and I was just saying that recently I started um, looking for my guests in the good old LinkedIn, and that's basically where I discovered Sam. Um, just, you know, uh, probably you know this too, like when, when someone has a podcast or, you know, a website or whatever, you end up getting loads of pitches of people who want to become guests. And uh, the way I look at this is because I'm very protective of my audience, I usually just, uh, you know, uh, I, I just go and approach people that I've, I've noticed myself online. I, I you know, I, I think I would vibe with and I think they would bring uh, value to the audience. And I just, you know, so so I usually don't look into cold pitches. I go out and, and look for people. And it feels like LinkedIn um, sort of, I, I went back to LinkedIn and, and looking around and there are pretty good Web3 sort of content creators in there and Web3 talent around so that I'm rediscovering at the moment. So yeah, Sam, welcome. I'm, I'm very happy that I found you there um, and welcome to the NFT Rebels. Yeah, thank you so much. I, it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition between, we talked about like LinkedIn versus Twitter. LinkedIn, very building focused. I think Twitter, there's, there's I guess, a greater sense of anonymity there uh, and a lot, a lot to weed through sometimes. So I, I certainly think you're looking at the right place and I appreciate you uh, coming across my profile and thinking enough about me to have me on. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really cool um, that we we found each other, and I think for discoverability for for the people in the space, it's also a good place because it's not so crowded, it's not so loud. Uh, so you know, if if a person is in the field and is creating content, or you know, is interested in the subject and wants to actually connect and and create genuine relationships, I feel like the chances will be higher on LinkedIn as well. Right, compared to yep. Twitter. I don't know. I yep. mean, Twitter Couldn't has agree been more. a bit. <laughs> okay, cool. So let's let's dive in uh, and just, you know, start from the beginning. Um, Sam Simmons in, is in Web3 full-time. So what is he doing? That is a great question. Some days I wake up and I don't even know myself. Uh, a, little, <laughs> a little bit of everything is the answer. Uh, to kind of, uh, to word vomit my background a little bit and kind of catch us up to where we are today. My most extensive experience is in streaming media. So I worked with and went on to run a poker content production company called Poker Go. We produced, distributed, streamed uh, about 100 plus different live poker events on an annual basis, everything from World Series of Poker, High Stakes Poker, and lots of others. Um, all the while, uh, I, was, I was investing into different projects. And I, and I say projects very loosely because there are more Web2 businesses. I'm just so used to saying projects now. Uh, and kind of dabbling in different stuff, took a couple years off and um, ended up going to do some consulting and advisory for a couple of the businesses that I had invested in previously and started dabbling in crypto and got a little bit crypto curious. I had gotten into investing in Bitcoin, Ethereum and so on around 2017, 2018. Like a lot of other people, I think it was early, early 18 or 19, I forget, when, I, when everyone kind of got shellacked when the, when, the, when the early bubble burst and wrote it off at that point in time. The, and I, the I, cold I never... crypto winter, yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I managed to just like nail the top. <laughs> I, was, okay. I was the top signal. Um, so so kind of I, I, lost, I lost, the, uh, lost the glamour in investing in that space. And, and I never really took the time to learn, you know, how the technology of cryptography worked and what made the technology so special. Mm -hmm. It was just, you know, check Bitcoin price. It goes up. I'm happy. It goes down. I'm not happy. And around that time, I was pretty <laughs> unhappy. And so took a couple years off and uh, around uh, early 2020, around when the pandemic hit, kind of started getting back into it. It timed well with a nice little upswing. And then naturally, 
as price goes up, I start gaining more interest, got more into it. And, but all the while, you know, it was very passive and, and that all changed when I discovered NFTs. And I think what was so fascinating for me about getting into this space was the psychology that came with participation and everything mm -hmm. around the communities, the like-mindedness of finding people that you identify with, both having a sort of verifiably unique identity while also being part of a larger collective in the form of that community, I think was really yeah. special. And I, I, I degened into it about as aggressively as you can uh, by first research later. But what was, what was <laughs> most notable to me is unlike, unlike buying Bitcoin and other types of assets like that, it, uh, it made me feel something. Like I, 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 I felt like I was a part of something bigger than myself. And that really was fascinating to me, honestly. And, and, I, and that's what really got me to look under the hood and say, okay, what's going on with this? I need to make up for lost time, get caught up to speed. So I basically spent the middle part of last year doing just that. And then late last year, basically said, you look, I don't know what I'm gonna end up doing in this space, but I know I'm gonna be in it in some way. So that's where I am today is, uh, is basically, I, I created this, this pseudo project and the project is just me. Uh, called um, Non-Fungible Ventures, which uh, does consulting, advisory, and investing. And in particular, I'm working with a couple projects, most primarily uh, NFT Stadium is one of them. I'm currently consulting chief strategy officer for that organization. We do fandom-driven NFT experiences for sports, mm -hmm. gaming, music, and entertainment. And then we're actually launching our, our first collection I a couple weeks from now, uh, still kind of a moving time frame. Fun but for times. Poker Go, my, form, my former employer. So creating fandom experiences around poker and uh, viewing and playing and so on. So it's all really exciting. And then I'm, I'm doing some separate investing and, and a few more, uh, a few more like protocol platform based projects as well. So definitely keeping busy is the, is the short answer to the nice. question. Nice. Yeah, it's it's interesting you said about that, you know, unlike Bitcoin, you actually in this space, uh, when you buy stuff, you actually feel something. And it just reminded me that um, I think about a year ago, I interviewed Dima Buterin, who is the father of Vitalik um, from Ethereum. And uh, and he was talking about something that was very interesting. Um, Vitalik back then in, during the annual Ethereum report um, to the community uh, had stated uh, something that uh, along the lines that a, the pro a project needs to have a soul and and i feel like in this space uh, probably nfts are actually the the subcategory which basically has that soul and uh, because there's there's loads of um emotions related to it, it it's it's not just a token right it's it's way yep. more than a token so in that sense you know it, it's just when you said you felt something i just you know recalled that statement um you mentioned poker several times uh do you see any parallels between poker and the nft game yeah i mean i think that's that's probably what i found most engaging about the space early on um in the the wheeling and dealing type nature of, of some of the activities that can take place, whether it's like sweating a reveal, degening into a mint, um, going, you know, measuring expected value across different outcomes of, of different projects and so on. It's a lot of, it, it only comes back to risk analysis. So I, I've cut my teeth for a number of years in, in the poker space. I do a lot of like fantasy sports as well, a little bit of sports betting here and there. So there's a lot of psychology that goes into those games and activities that I think parallels so nicely into uh, the NFT space, more, more on like the individual project investing side. Um, but yeah, it, it, uh, it was an easy transition. Let's just say that. Got it. Yeah, got it. So um when, I mean, I, I think like we, we're going to talk about the, the NFT revolution. So basically, let's let's just, you know, maybe let's start by comparing like, you know, this field with like the Web2 space and then, uh, you know, going into this space and, and look into the different aspects of it, because it, it's so hard to talk about this space as one one big thing, because there are so many different things inside it, right? You can't yeah. really talk the same way about collectibles versus, you know, one-on-one -on -one artists versus, you know, projects that are massive big projects uh, that, 
have NFTs as part of their business, for example, you know. Um, so, so Web 2 and Web 3, obviously, like, you know, apart from the obvious decentralization uh, idea, apart from the idea that, you know, basically all of us came in here because, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, just like the top title of the podcast, right? We, 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 at its nature, I feel like all Web3 people are rebels, right? To some extent. So um, apart from that, when, when you're getting into this space, what do you think is the biggest difference in, in terms of, uh, I don't know, I mean, working in Web2, working in Web3, like there is a massive difference. What was the thing that actually kind of, you know, caught your eyes and, and sort of was that one thing that was like, oh my God, like this is completely different. I'm trying to consolidate my thoughts into a simple answer because as, 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 you, as you know, this could go so many different directions and I could, I could probably yeah. spend the rest of the podcast just answering that, that one question. I think it, what, I, what I was thinking, as you said earlier around, you know, buying an NFT and feeling something, I think, yes, you could have a technical definition of what an NFT is as a non-fungible token and it's a ver verifiable, provably scarce, immutable, whatever, whatever else. To me, NFTs are about building connections, and those connections span across so many different spaces, I guess is the right word. Not mm -hmm. only between, because a lot of the work I do, um, I, I, I strategically have jerseys behind me because it's a lot of what I do is in the realm of fandom and creating fandom experiences. So if you think about teams and athletes, artists, musicians as brands, Historically in Web 2, it's very much been a one-way conversation. If I'm a brand, I'm selling something to a consumer through the supply chain or whatever the sort of steps to in the marketing funnel may look like. And yeah, that person buys it, but that's basically the end of the relationship where you know they, mm -hmm. they buy my jersey, they buy my t-shirt, they go out and enjoy that. We've done that value exchange, wipe hands clean. We'll see you when we do some remarketing and try to capture you again for a future transaction. Web3 Web3 flips that script entirely and it and it and it not only creates a two-way conversation between brand and consumer but it creates conversations between consumers and consumers uh, which I think there's a lot of value in alone in in finding a community of like-minded individuals that share a sh the same passion for an artist, passion for a team, athlete, whatever it may be. And as you said earlier, regarding the different formats for NFTs, that applies to in so many different ways. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, not get too specific, but also don't want to overgeneralize either. But yeah, I think it's, it's the connectivity of it, of creating conversations. I always think of it as like having, as a brand, you, you instantaneously have like the most direct sort of focus group for your strategic directions where you don't have to have all the answers. Like a lot of times, you know, I, I'm, I'm from the from the media space, so we would spend hours and days planning a big event or different a new show, a new production. And then you roll that out and you kind of have to like cross your fingers and say, let's hope they like this and and, you know, just yeah. hope for the best. But in this case, you, you can you can include your core customer base in real time on all your major decisions. And I think there's a lot of power in that for a brand of having that ongoing communication, that ongoing relationship that stands to benefit both parties. No, absolutely. And I think it's it's just, you know, I personally, when people ask me what NFT is, uh, it's very hard to go to technicalities and, and still keep people inspired and sort of, you know, <laughs> curious uh, at the same level. Um, so, you know, I, I had this challenge of trying to put it into like a more human sort of way of explaining it and then translating it into human stories. So to me, like personally, it's like, tokenized emotions and experiences and, and i feel that that's what you're saying and you know the connections that people are creating the the emotions and experiences that they are getting from it is is yeah is, is is pretty kind of different from just you know the relationship that you would have with the with the you know web 2 brand right so um so i totally agree with you there and and if you look at it, it's interesting. You said connections, and I just thought like the whole hype of the NFTs coincided with the COVID lockdowns, right? Um, and probably that had something to do with it because people were starving for those experiences. They were starving for those connections and sort of, you know, the audio, so social audio kind of boomed back then. NFTs boomed back then. So it felt like, you know, there was already this need that, you know, they were covering somehow. Um, and 
Chris Tapp from the audience says, Web2 is extracting value from the customers and Web3 is adding value to the customers. And I think that's that's a really, really good kind of uh, observation. And I totally agree with you uh, on that, Chris. So yeah, well, well put. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean... You, I mean, NFTs are not, it's not like, you know, they just appeared, right? Even back in those 2017 ICO booms, etc. I remember that CryptoKitties broke Ethereum back then, and they essentially were NFTs. They were one of the first NFTs around, right? Mm-hmm. The interesting thing back then was that... Um, Although the cryptocurrencies were so popular, you know, there, there were so many people interested in it, so many people made money, so many people lost money eventually after that. Um, but it was all around the tokens mainly and the ICOs and altcoins. Um, but when CryptoKitties came along and it eventually broke Ethereum and clocked it, um, Many, many people who were not crypto people were interested in it. And they were actually figuring out how to open those wallets and how to get those kitties and how to breed them, right? And it kind of worked. So like when when I'm thinking about mass adoption, like it it kind of, you know, partly for a very short period of time, like it it somehow on a smaller scale kind of worked. Um way better than with altcoins and then later on it kind of it slowed down and now it's sort of with the hype of the nfts it feels like when you look at the blockchain space in general like the quote-unquote regular people got into this space through nfts and maybe it's because they were around stuff that people understood they were around music mm-hmm. they were around culture they were around art stuff that people get it by itself and the technology was not the you know the center of the story the hero of the story while every other project before used blockchain as their differentiator or used blockchain as their usp and kind of centered their whole kind of story around that we're using this technology. What do you think about that? Like, do you do you see any like? Is that how you feel as well, or not? Yeah, no, I um, I I think that's all right. I uh, at least to kind of glean out maybe some of some of what I heard in there. I think certainly, and I've and I've I've, I've encountered this with with friends and family of my own. I think people come into cryptocurrencies to invest, and people come into NFTs to enjoy. And I, I always think of it as like NFTs in a way are like digitized culture. And that's, there's a lot of people who are way smarter than me who have been saying that same thing. So that's not necessarily groundbreaking, but it's really just a dig- digitization of existing human behaviors of experiences, like you said before. And it's, it's things that we're already doing and have been doing for since the beginning of time, basically just in, in new formats and new mediums. I, to, to compare it to uh, the fandom and sports stuff with, with these behind me, like I, I see value. This is a signed, signed Magic Johnson jersey. <laughs> I see value in having this and putting it on my wall. He's Lakers are my favorite basketball team. He's one of the most iconic NBA players, let alone Lakers of all time. Nothing and I think I, 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 I feel better having this here and having that as sort of like a part of my identity when someone comes into my home and gets to see the, my possessions. Now imagine taking that to a sort of metaverse type environment and having and having something that that showcases that same passion within my Ethereum wallet, for example. And I think yeah. I think the hurdle to get over is just being able to assign value to digital objects. I think that's what's foreign as a part of this equation in in, in attributing something that is not real by by the definition of physical versus digital, but still having it mean something nonetheless. And the magic Which is, is why we, the gamers get it right away, right? Because 100%. they already That's, kind of, you know, have that mentality by buying exactly. skins and everything else, which was digital. Yeah. Exactly. So it's all about it's all about identification. It's pairing your digital presence with your physical presence. And so like I said, I think it's a it's not a bridge too far for a lot of people because of exactly that. It's it their behavior that that are the, the mass populace are already doing in their day-to-day enjoying life and it's just providing new mechanisms for doing that i do think that the big hurdle though in terms of mainstream adoption and you mentioned you know in the crypto kitties scenario if people were then inspired to you know download wallets load their wallets and and buy into this into this project that 
that in and of itself is still a bridge too far for a number of people. So yeah. it's then, then you get into the onboarding, you get into the user experience side of things, which I think we can all admit leaves much to be desired in its current form. And I think that's, that's where, that's where the things are going to trend is trying to make improvements there. And certainly uh, like Topshot and Dapper, what they're doing are, are making great strides in, in that advancement. And I think it's only going to become more and more the case. And ultimately I think the end goal here is to set up a scenario where people buy NFTs without realizing they're buying NFTs. Where you're not even using yeah. the term NFT anymore. This is just a digital asset. And here it is in my wallet, in my with my profile, wherever that profile exists, that 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 signifies ownership in some way. And I think I think that's where we have to get to to really, you know, break through and get to that mainstream point. No, yeah, I agree with you. Well, I remember like, you know, back in the days, like even kind of transitioning from cash to like completely digital sort of you know uh, online banking and everything else without even kind of you know having that tangible cash in your hands for many people it took a while to sort of you know grasp it and get to that level where they were comfortable kind of you know just having the card with them or the the apple pay yep. right so um so yes it's just yeah as you said it's it's all about um user convenience and experience and kind of trying to 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 get it as frictionless as possible because at the moment it's not right so we're, but we're <laughs> seeing it happen in real time i mean there's certain behaviors you mentioned the the payment example with apple pay i mean i i just recently got the apple credit card which gives me whatever percent cash back on apple pay and i haven't looked back but there's other things like uh like sports event tickets you know you have your you have your ticket master axs whatever it be application and your ticket is a barcode sitting in that in that app, like why can't that be an NFT? Same for airline yeah. tickets. I no longer print my boarding pass. I have it scanned on my, my Southwest app or whatever it is. Why yeah. can't that be an NFT? All of these, all of these different examples where it's like the the sort of the knobs and levers to turn to get to the point where this is on the blockchain and the experience is that much better because of it. You know, it's it's not much, which which makes me excited for the future to see uh, you know to see these things kind of bridge that gap. Yeah, it's it's true. And I think like, you know, a, a, a bit of uh, the right storytelling, I think, is, is what we need as well. Because at the moment, when you look at, at the media, right, um, the way they talk about NFTs, either they scare people away a lot, because as soon as people hear NFTs or crypto, they kind of, oh, no, 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 it's a scam or it's risky. I don't want to get into it just in case, etc. Or they attract it people but for the wrong reasons uh, by highlighting all these big millions in their headlines right you know they 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 don't really talk too much about the real benefits but they talk about like 69 million by people and then whatever you know so many mm -hmm. millions by Sotheby or you know even when they talk about board apes instead of kind of you know trying to figure out what it's all about essentially uh they they focus mostly about the floor price and how much yeah. money every person made by you know minting it for 200 dollars or whatever it was back then right yeah. so um so i feel like that's another thing that many people just don't get attracted because they don't read the right stories or they don't really hear the right stories because yeah. it's still kind of a still a small group of people who are in it right as soon yeah. as they get in and experience it i think that that whole you know you mentioned culture that positivity that that whole culture that kind of you know the the fact of being among like-minded people and the fact that for example like one-on-one -on -one artists uh, and creators uh, in many cases they don't really have the people around them in real life who get them right they are the mm -hmm. weirdos they are the misfits they are creating arts that wasn't even accepted by the the agents and galleries because it was it wasn't within those you know standards and you know etc uh, etc et right and now they they find so many more people like them who are doing the same thing etc and and they feel yeah. that they they find their sweet spot so yeah. i feel like uh yeah it's just a matter of uh, i don't know like um more storytelling than education. Many, many talk about education, but I personally feel like it's not realistic to expect people to sit and learn about blockchain versus spending that same time watching a Netflix series. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, like, let's be realistic. It's just, it's going to be very hard for someone just, you know, to, <laughs> to yeah, position yeah. it that way, right? So, so I don't know. So I guess user experience, the right storytelling, and just, um, as you said, they don't even need to, to know that it's blockchain or they don't need yeah. to know that it's an NFT. It's just yeah. leveling up their existing experiences and that's it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on all fronts. I think, I think that the, the headline thing is a big issue. Like it's, it's for, you know, you and I are so deep in this community now. Like I sometimes have a hard time of sort of removing myself from the echo chamber a little bit of talking to a bunch of people who knew, who know a little bit about what's going on to kind of suspend your own reality and, and put yourself in the shoes of someone who's hearing about this stuff for the first time. And you see like Justin Bieber buys board eight for 1.2 million or someone so-and-so fat fingers and sells a, a uh, half million dollar asset for a thousand dollars and all these all these negative stories because they make for sexy headlines but that doesn't yeah. sound like a fun place to be like there's just so many there's so many i, I guess the, the beaver one's an True. example but it's it either seems unattainable or unapproachable from the standpoint of yeah of safety and investing so why would i want to get involved so it is to your point it's about it's about gleaning out the i guess the stories of the space that give people reason to take part. And I think I, I have sort of a, this is about a larger trend that I think we see play out over the coming months and we're already seeing it happen. But storytelling, I think is a, is a very important one because as you look at, you look at like the, the heavyweights of the NFT spaces of this day, let's just use Board Ape Yacht Club as an example. When they came to be a year and change ago, there weren't besides besides Topshot, there really weren't any mainstream brands getting involved in the space. And it was a bit of a blank canvas in terms of the IP. And that allowed for organic grassroots homegrown IP to come up natively out of the space. We're now starting to see the opposite of that, where every major IP holder is thinking to themselves like, OK, how do I take part in this? How do I create NFTs? How do I get into the metaverse and so on? And the nature of the beast, whether whether it's good or bad, I don't have an opinion either way, is that these IP holders have about, you know, a decades long head start in terms of creating fandom, resonating with people, having people build their identity around the IP sure. that they love, whether that be Marvel, whether that be my favorite sports team, all these other key players. So I think we're kind of coming to a... a uh, a uh, point of inflection in a sense in the space of like particularly around storytelling where how do if if i am creating new ip that no one necessarily resonates with yet how do i get people to care about that and how do i get people to invest in that not necessarily from a monetary point of view but from a timing point of view and spend time in the community spend time building spend time participating and that's i think that's going to be a more and more of a difficult thing to do um and i but but to your point i think that has to be done through storytelling of it's in a traditional sense, we may call it brand building, but I would refer to it as storytelling here in creating narratives around characters, around a vision, around a community, what that community stands for, how they identify not only amongst themselves, but to others, uh, socially, physically, digitally, uh, through every other medium. And I think that's that's where the real power is going to be. And I think that's where we're going to see the projects that come out of the NFT space that may not be rooted in traditional IP, that's where they're going to win, is being able to, to build those stories and build them well. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And it's, it's interesting because like we, we have read so many different things about Bordet Piac Lab and why they succeeded and and how they've done it and all that stuff but the, the interesting thing is like no one like I, at least i haven't heard many people talk about the fact that first of all like they were probably one of the first ones who actually had a certain level of storytelling into the whole kind of project positioning and they did it pretty well but what's even more important was that in their story the hero was the actual like potential token buyers, right? So it wasn't a story about them or about their project or about the vision or about the future that they were building. It was a story that deeply resonated with with the people who were gonna buy the apes and and creating that relationship and identification with their apes. Like everyone felt that they were the apes because it was tapping into this, you know, kind of um, hidden desire of why people were aping into this whole story to become rich, to become, you know, so rich that they didn't have to do anything else. And, you know, the, the whole story resonated so well with the audience that it was very tailored and created just for them. 
And I think yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it, 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 that's, I just want to, sorry, really quick. Like that's, that's the culture. Like that is, that is like a, a digitization and a tokenization and a storytelling experience around the culture of crypto. And like that, that just kind of is like the case in point of our conversation thus far is like, I think that's why they've done so well is they've managed to take that culture, create, create a project around it, and then storytell that around that culture to find success. Sorry. Exactly. And that, and that's why I'm thinking that for big brands, uh, very often when they try to enter this space, the problems that they are getting usually is that they don't get the culture. Very often, like when it doesn't work, it doesn't work because they are trying to, yeah, I mean, they do GMs and they do friends and all that stuff, but they just, it just doesn't feel like they get it, right? Mm -hmm. So so I think that that's another uh, uh, thing that, you know, when brands come in, it's, it's kind of, they probably need to spend a bit of time and to experience that whole thing in order for that, kind of um, culture and the, the way they demonstrate that they are part of this ecosystem actually comes organically and naturally yep. and doesn't really, you know, feel a bit cringy and awkward, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I, I, th I think of it as like authenticity in, in those scenarios. And, and I always, whenever I'm, whoever I'm talking with clients, brands, and so on, it's always, it, it could be such a knee-jerk reaction to do something and it, you you may think that you're going to miss the boat if you don't take action but i always encourage brands to just participate not not necessarily not participate in terms of creating a collection or doing whatever else but just like be present in the space and i think like that i think that in of itself brings a sense of authenticity like you're here not necessarily to monetize you're not here to grow your customer base you're here just to enjoy and it's and it's all about delivering value and i think Ultimately, the brands that win in this space are going to be the ones that enter the space authentically and, and do so in a way that drives value to the community or other communities, wherever they may be. And uh, I think we can, in our heads, we can all think of some who have done that well and some who have done that not well. And I think it's yeah. going to become more and more of a trend in the coming months as, uh, as the space continues to grow. Yeah, and I think the difference will be the gap will be become bigger and bigger between the ones who will who will actually get it and integrate well, and the ones who won't but will still try to do it their web two way, bringing in their own rules into this thing, right? Um, so yeah, I agree with you um, about uh, so when when we're looking into this whole space and uh, it's kind of. Um, it develops as well, right? Like this pace about six months ago was completely different than it is at the moment. And it, it, it keeps progressing and it changes. Like probably if even board apes, if they launched now and did what they did from the very beginning, you know, it might not have worked that well as as when they did it right so things mm. are really changing the requirements are like people get those experiences they already have expect more from the projects that are coming than a year ago and all that stuff right so when you look into how things develop um do you feel like there will be new ways of doing things because at the moment like there has been a quite long period of me too strategies like you know looking around oh this thing started working let's all do that like you know 10k 0 0.08 mint uh let's just do it animals okay let's do animals women let's do women or whatever right there have been certain trends that people were following and copying yep. from each other and it worked after a certain up to a certain point and then people started getting immune and then it kind of flattens out and then someone thinks of something different and then it kind of you know peaks from there um so what do you think like is it this whole pfp 10k cartoon animal female whatever it is is it here to stay or it needs to develop into something more in order for it to survive yeah i uh first off i, I feel attacked having a wallet littered with like cute animal pfp pump and dump projects that i managed to to to, to not get enough of in, in late part of last year or, or whatever that window was where that was the the hot new thing off the back of cool cats but no i mean i i, I agree entirely and it's 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 funny how we see anytime 
anytime there's a speculative market, which I think we're in right now, you end up with opportunists. And so opportunists will see trends, they will capitalize on trends, and people will be harmed in the process. So, you know, we've, we've seen about every trend in the book, and I would say the cycle goes, you know, on a month to month basis, what what the hot trend is, then it was, it was, you know, female character projects, it was cute animal PFPs, there was like an anime run after Azuki uh, for a while there. So these, these things are going to continue to happen, I think. And I don't necessarily have the right answer. And that's the magic of this now is you don't, you don't have, I mean, board, like you said, board apes been, have been around for a little over a year. Like you don't really have a large data set of benchmark information to assess off of, to know like what, what will succeed and what not, what won't succeed. And, and really we probably on a week to week basis are seeing new things that do well that no one's ever seen before. Like they're just, mm -hmm. they're just, it's, it's innovative. And I, and that's why it's hard to answer that question because like, as I said here, I don't know what the next big thing is going to be or what's, or, or yeah. what, who and what is going to end up succeeding in but the But I think run. that's the magic of it, right? It's, you never exactly. get bored because it's always something new and always exactly. something unexpected, which is really, really cool because, you know, otherwise it will be just the same thing over and over again. So but it's, uh, yeah. You know, innovation is the key. And that's, so if, if we think about who's going to, who's going to succeed or fail in the long run, I think it's about innovating. It's about being different. It's about providing value in ways that people haven't done previously. And if and you, you think about it too, just in the, in the current state of the market, just kind of just facing some harsh realities, there's not a lot of people that are participating in this stuff right now. And if you look at like the sales volume and start to project that on a per user basis across the the uh, ecosystem of wallets, you start to realize like a lot of it's just, you know, everyone kind of just trading money back and forth. And all the while, like, you, you know, you don't have necessarily the astronomical growth in NFT usership that we saw previously, but there's, you know, a dozen or dozen plus new projects launching per day. Like that just by the nature of supply, demand and available liquidity, that's not sustainable. So how are you going to yeah. differentiate yourself in the market in the medium to long term to be that successful project that I think every project founder at least should consider themselves in, in having a long term vision and wanting to ultimately succeed. But it's 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 becoming more and more difficult, I think, and that only stands to to be exacerbated as as made mainstream brands enter the space. Because yeah, it's the nice part about that is you're gonna bring in some outside outside uh liquidity from established fandoms but inherently yeah. there's going to be the core community that's also looking to get involved and do some flipping around those projects and see it as like a as an investment opportunity so you know i it's, it's i don't that's a that's a long non-answer but but my, yeah. my just my my thought is a part of it all it's just it's a, it's a tricky time right now and i i always implore any new projects that i talk to like put in put your heart and soul of focus and innovation and doing something that's different and outside the box because if you try to build a strategy of like, we're going to do this, but do it better. Like, I just, I don't think that's a win in the long term. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you. And I think that's the beauty of this whole space because it's so new that there are no rules and you can experiment and you can sort of, you know, set out your own rules or, you know, come up with your own ways and, and sort of, you know, find your own path. And there are so many different possibilities, but there is no one way to success. There are so many other ways to do this. And in terms of liquidity, it's even way, way less when we're talking about one-on-one -on -one artists, right? It's, it's like, you know, because most of the volume goes to these speculative assets that you know yep. people are kind of you know hoping that are going to bring them lambos and and stuff like that right so yeah <laughs> obviously uh and and since i mentioned one-on-one -on -one artist i you know there has been this trend recently among them uh many were let's say frustrated because of the fact that um even their audiences were expecting utility um from their one-on-one -on -one NFTs, right? Like, what's the utility of it? And yeah. and and in their case, uh, you know, the argument is like, there is no utility. Like, the art itself is the utility. Me as an artist is the utility. Like, I don't really need to build on top of it, right? So mm -hmm. do you feel like any NFT actually needs a utility? Or is it just like... I don't know, like this this whole requirement towards one-on-one -on -one artists and utility-related stuff, like do you think it's valid or it's just about just copying and following this 
requirements from from other areas yeah. that kind of come into the one-on-one -on -one as well just as sure. a blanket statement <laughs> yeah i mean that's it's another it's another complicated question with an with an answer that uh we don't have time for but i think to me i i think that you know any any nft could have utility but not every nft should have utility and mm -hmm. by that i mean i if you want to compare it to traditional art i think no one no one has bought for the most part by my understanding no one buys classical art for the purposes of getting utility out of it like utility is the art itself it's the enjoyment of it it's having a statement piece that sits in your living room that you can when you have guests over you can converse over show them as a symbol of pride of something that you hold ownership of and again this is back to the original the original part of the conversation here like that that screams nft to me so that in and of itself should be interpreted as utility i think by the nature of these 10k pfp type projects and you know the how how much of a buzzword utility has become there you're, you're it's a false expectation to apply that sort of assessment to that format being the one-on-one -on -one art um when it comes to nfts and certainly i think i think artists it's i don't say i i almost want to take back what i said earlier about certain nfts should or should not have utility i think it should also be up to the artist like i think i think people should buyers should not have an expectation of utility nor should should artists feel a requirement of utility but at the same mm -hmm. time if there's utility that they can provide then all the better and that's it ultimately then it's for the market's market to determine what what the value of that is i personally like i i think it's a silly argument to say on, on any fronts that a one-of-one -one artist like in a more traditional sense should be providing utility i think that's just absurd um but at the same time like i as an nft buyer like i'm i myself i'm not buying a ton of one-on-one art and not to say that i'm like utility chasing but i've just never been a big art collector so i don't assign value to an nft that's art driven and doesn't have utility attached to it so i can go my way and say thanks but no thanks i but i but i do see the value in that for other people so you know not not all nfts are created equal it just it's uh i think it's on a buyer yeah buyer to buyer artist to artist basis. and it's not for everyone yeah it's yeah. not for everyone as well even 10 pfp projects like you know they, they too have different vibes and you know different people like different ones so i totally get that um let's talk a little bit about i mean we all love this whole story about decentralization right um but when you look at the real picture, um, I feel like from the technical perspective, it's easy to reach to a certain level of decentralization. But from the human behavior perspective, when you're looking at the big influencers who can sort of, you know, move the markets with several tweets, or when you look into, let's say, watch yuga labs have become in terms of how massive they are at the moment and now they mm -hmm. acquired the the crypto punks and you know that whole investment like the huge kind of amount that came into like the whole thing kind of felt a little bit like overwhelming to to the market like it's it's a very big presence and loads of resources compared to to other projects um how like do you do we, I mean, would you say that this decentralization is a really nice theory, but at the moment it's more of an illusion than a reality? I say, which is a bit of a, it's a bit of a tongue in cheek thing to say, but I think of it as the fact that people want decentralization until they have decentralization. And I think, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of responsibility on a personal level that comes with decentralization and with with the great power comes great responsibility uh in terms of yes it's 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 amazing to consider a world where you hold full ownership autonomy privacy over over your money over your data over uh your nfts and whatever else you sort of hold in in this wallet going down the road of this example but when when you when you hold that control there's no one there to save you and we've seen time and time again whether it be scams hacks you know whatever else people get burned in the process and i think there's i think there's an element of user experience here you know i i it's a it's a bad comparison but 
if I if I were to send a letter with cash in it and I write down the wrong address and that goes to someone else and someone gets the cash, then that cash is gone forever. And it's it's a it's a bit the same here. And not just, you know, if I have outflows of Ethereum that I'm sending to someone, I get the address wrong and it's gone forever and I kind of cry foul. But these aren't foreign concepts, they're just concepts that we're not used to, especially when you consider the money changing hands on a regular basis in this space. So I think it's about getting the experience right. Um, I think it's about, it goes back to education of making sure people understand. And there's a lot of people in the space that are trying to do this and understand the importance of hardware wallets and not trusting people that reach out to you on, on discords and whatnot to, to send them money or click their links or sign contracts and people. And that just, there's some psychology there around, you mentioned influencers of uh, seeing a pump happening and then trying to get involved as quickly as possible. And then it turns out that that was a scam and you kind of get blinded by the FOMO a little bit. So it's, it's a hurdle that we're trying to jump over. I'm personally like, I know that the idea of decentralization is super sexy. I think that it's more sexy than in an idea than it is in practice. I'm not a big decentralization maxi. I think that there's a middle ground of some sort to be achieved. And I think I kind of have my feet in both camps of like, well, I like to be decentralized for certain things, where, but then I like a safety net and other things. Um, so yeah, I think, I think we're still trying to find that balance, but I think it is a balance. I, I would not be a proponent as it exists today of going like full decentralization, I guess, but in certain instances, it's, it's, it's certainly, uh, you know, a nice thing to have. It's, it's interesting you said that because I have a feeling that, you know, the, it's like, if you look at centralized, centralized versus decentralized, um, you know, and, and you start moving the scale, like the more decentralized the platform is, the less user friendly it becomes somehow, right? So it's, it's, it's always a trade off between like, okay, you know, you want mass adoption, but at the same time, you want to be completely decentralized. But then, you know, in between, there is this user experience kind of thing that doesn't really fit with completely decentralized things at the moment as of yet so so it's it's a whole complex thing and and the interesting thing was like i was looking recently like that whole bitcoin and ownership and you know that whole idea where everything started from um now there are banks that are providing a custody of bitcoin service which to me is like Oh my God, like it's completely the opposite of where it all started and why it all yeah. started. But but some people just are so afraid of that responsibility uh, of holding that Bitcoin and just, you know, I don't know, making mistakes or whatever, whatever, that they actually are okay with keeping the Bitcoin in the bank. I mean, under the bank's custody or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so, so to me, it's just, it depends who needs what. Maybe we just think that everyone needs decentralization, but in reality, not everyone is so keen on that, which is why, you know, centralized exchanges like Coinbase and Kraken mm -hmm. and many others are doing so well because they have probably found that right balance between user friendliness where pretty much anyone can actually buy a bitcoin with coinbase it's no-brainer right um mm -hmm. and also kind of peace of mind kind of thing which is uh yeah i mean peace of mind for some people but those who are very deep into the whole thing maybe maybe the opposite i don't know but yeah <laughs> but it's it's a tricky question and it's always kind of i just feel like sometimes many people just uh, knowing that this is a very appealing story, uh, they cover up what they do, you know, with that story. Well, even they know that it's not really about that, you know. Yeah, you know what I no, mean, I right? mean, yeah, and I, I, I think like OpenSea claimed it was decentralized since quite a while, yeah. and and then they had to rephrase their copyright. Uh, so it's it's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. And I would not want the, almost the requirement of decentralization to be the reason why people don't get involved in the space because of the risks involved, because of um, the bad actors that look to take advantage of, of that. So I, I think it's, it's, it's not a great example, but it's like having different banking options. Like I think of it as like, as mm -hmm. I have sort of a menu of what, of, of what I'm willing to engage with as a, some function of preference, somewhat function of risk acceptance of mm -hmm. based upon user experience where I should be able to choose, you know, do I want the sort of I, the, 
the risk of decentralization, so to speak, and having full control of my assets, or do I not care that much? And I'm okay keeping them with someone else who has a degree of control, which has its own risk included with it, but there's, there also comes with security. And I think, I think that in and of itself, to a degree, is a bit a part of the Web3 ethos in a weird, ironic way of having a choice, of, of having the autonomy to be able to choose yeah. either or. And I, I, think, I, think, I think that's a beautiful thing. No, I totally agree with you. Uh, so in that case, like, you know, uh, one side of that whole decentralization story is DAOs versus centralized brands, you know, uh, because b both can be Web3 brands, right? In, in both, mm -hmm. both structures can be Web3 native or, you know, we have Web2, as you mentioned, Web2 brands coming into the Web3 space. So there will probably be like three versions of, like i don't know like completely decentralized DAOs versus web3 uh companies that were born as web3 but are centralized kind of you know corporate brands and mm -hmm. then you have like you know the web2 brands that come into this space and sort of you know integrate somehow web3 into their business um so even there it seems like there is going to be a choice of which projects you you would like to be involved with right yeah, yeah, DAOs, DAOs are a funny one. I this is another this is another uh, scenario where perhaps I'm not a decentral decentralization maxi. I think I think DAOs are great in theory. I'm a big fan of like goal based DAOs. Like I see DAOs as the new generation of crowdsourcing, where you know you have whether it's buying the constitution or buying a, a sports team or buying a golf course. Like it's a bunch of people who have, believe in a goal, believe in a mission to join together. And then should you achieve that outcome, then hold ownership over that outcome in some capacity. I do think some DAOs though, if not ran properly can become wildly inefficient where, you know, like if everyone has a seat at the table, no one has a seat at the table. Like, not only yeah. in terms of the lead time of making decisions, like the, the just the nature of operating a successful business requires a lot of day-to-day -day operations. And if you're leaving up everything up to a collective of thousands of people, like just, is that efficient? And then as well, I, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a lack of education that goes into those decisions. I think some people may just be clicking random buttons or voting based upon their personal best interest versus the best interest of the DAO at large yeah. to, uh, to, to make their decisions on a vote by vote basis. So I think there's a balance there. Like, I, again, I'm not like a, a proponent of like DAO everything. Like we should get rid of the traditional shareholder yeah. structure and give everyone ownership and voting rights, which, which by the way, is not necessarily a new thing. Like shareholder votes exist. They, and then now they have like a delegate system in some DAOs, but isn't that kind of just a board of directors so it's just like kind of web yeah it's, web it's, it's i think people are still trying to figure out like the best ways of dealing with DAOs because like even if you call it a DAO, but like majority of the tokens are with the team like is it actually a DAO? like yeah you know, there, there are many many ways to look into this and like it doesn't really matter what you call it, it yeah. it's just about how you actually structure it and how it actually uh, you know operates and I feel like it's very, very challenging to 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 launch a completely decentralized DAO from the very beginning. It probably needs a bit of transition period or whatever. I don't know, but uh, but it, that's another kind of you know completely new thing that people are figuring out that didn't exist before. And now it's kind of you know people try to understand what's the best way to to move with that forward. Because you mentioned crowdfunding, and and that's true actually. Because back in the days we had. ICOs, which were like really good mechanism of bypassing the VCs and sort of, you know, crowdfunding and directly getting people on board uh, to help you build the project, right, to, to fund mm -hmm. your project. And then, I mean, uh, again, greed and human nature sort of completely screwed up the whole thing and then no one trusted in ICOs anymore and it didn't work. Then we tried several different other ways of funding mechanisms with tokenized funding mechanisms like IEOs and STOs. Apparently they didn't work out well either. And and now it feels like DAOs are like the next level of, of that kind of progression and um, and NFTs as well, obviously, yeah. for, for the projects. So um, so it feels like now these are the two options, but still it's kind of, you know, we're still yeah. more... Yeah, uh, and it's 
and yeah. it's you i mean you, you're, you're you're citing examples from a few years ago and i think if we were to come back to this conversation in three to five years we would we would point to DAOs as like that was that was that era not to say the DAOs are going to go away but i think once you start to look at everything happening in the space right now as a means to an end rather than the means and everything everything happening for better or worse is meant to be building blocks for learning and building yeah. on top of to to not only we talked about going, go, going mainstream, but just ensure the success of this movement in the long term. I, I personally find myself a lot more forgiving. Like it just, you, you, we can't see that to today is like, all right, here we are. This is web three. Like this is, this is meant to be the stepping stones to getting to this eventual reality yeah. and whatever reality that may be. And I think the onus is on us as the community to use these learnings to build better as, uh, as we go along, which makes for really exciting times. I totally agree with you. And we're we're getting close to one hour. So I guess, you know, I would like to wrap up with how do you, what do you hope for? Like, you know, uh, I, I'm sure you're going to stick around to this space. I mean, I'm definitely going to be because I, you know, I, I lived through the crypto winter without leaving the space. And I saw many people do, do leave the space because of that, yep. right? Uh, and I feel like, I don't I don't think we're in in the winter in that type of winter and I'm not even sure that it's going to happen to the NFT space specifically at least in that shape and form uh, but I'm mm -hmm. sure that you know when when things cool down a little bit many people will also leave because those who came just for the hype or for the sake of the money probably yep. uh or those who were you know getting funded for their startups because it was like a hyped um, sphere they may stop just being interested into building something as well who knows um, but since we will be around um, what's your hope in terms of what would you like the space to be like in the future like what what is that ultimate dream of yours in terms of yeah. what would you like it to be yeah my uh it's a great question my my hope would be that we we no longer associate nfts as investment mechanisms um mm -hmm. i to go back to i always keep going back to this but the sports example there are so many things that i hold value in that i go to purchase not for the purposes of selling it more for a higher dollar amount down the road but because i like them because i mm -hmm. make them a part of my identity and because that means something to me and I find value in that. And I think NFTs stand to be a great mechanism for doing that. That's not what gets headlines. It's not what gets attention. But I think it's an important human behavior that NFTs stand to make better um, by, the, by the nature of their connection to digital presence and everything like that. So I think it's, to me, it's, it's a separation of investing with NFTs. And I think that's, like, I would say conservatively, you know, 70 to 80% of people get involved with the space today because of the potential to make money. But I hope that we get to the point where people are engaging with NFTs for the purposes of enjoyment, for participating in their passions, for getting closer to the things they love, the people they love, the communities they love, not for the purposes of being able to make a buck along the way. And again, that's, that's, not, that's not abnormal human behavior. We all, have, we all go to fan meetups, we wear jerseys around, we go to concerts, uh, we go to meet and greets, whatever it is. So it's just a matter of, of digitizing that and creating that user experience in, in the metaverse, it's in the digital world uh, that builds value outside of just an ROI. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's the way to more sustainable and, and kind of, you know, more long-term sort of space that will stay for and, and keep developing. So that's, yeah, I, I totally, I'm with you in there. So um, fingers crossed and that we'll see um, loads of um, real builders that would, would keep on building no matter what. And, and the innovation that we mentioned would be around and then we will end up getting surprised over and over again, which is like a super cool thing. It's never a boring day in this space, which is super cool. So <laughs> that's for sure. So and yeah, and, and to, to, answer, to answer your question, I know this question, but I will, I will not be going anywhere. No matter what happens, I'm always back for more abuse. So get used to seeing me. 
Okay, that's it. So I, I, who knows? Maybe like you know, in few months we'll do another session like this, and and we'll kind of revisit what we spoke about. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. So I'll just you know, um, it it was really nice to talk to you. Uh, we'll we'll stick after I stop the the live stream. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, everyone who watched, thank you very much. Those who left comments, will just you know go back and revisit the comments and reply to them. Obviously, I saw several coming. I just didn't want to to stop the flow. Um, so thank you very much, um, Sam, you, and everyone else who watched. I really appreciate your time and attention, guys. And see you in the next episode. Take care, awesome. everyone. Bye. Thank you for having me. Thanks, everyone. That's all that I had for you today. Thank you very much for listening. I truly appreciate every single one of you. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review because that would help the podcast grow. And to make sure that you're up to date with my articles as well, please subscribe to my newsletter at anialexander.com backward slash NFT rebels. Take care and I'll meet you in the next episode.